You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 11. Alley Cat Strut. Summary. As has got some explaining to do, he doesn't do it very well. Principal Mezu finishes pouring perfectly brewed tea into a couple of cups set on an ornate tray. He carefully sets down the teapot before turning his gaze up to Aizawa. So then. A canny introduction, but Aizawa's not playing ball just yet. I thought you didn't want to know about all that. I don't. Nezu is perfectly still, but not in the way a hunted creature freezes, but the way the predator does when it's caught sight of its prey. However, I have certain liabilities to cover as the caretaker of this establishment. If that doesn't sound familiar. As Owl makes a disgruntled noise that's not quite a word, then remembers he has to use actual words sometimes. Meaning what, exactly? Nezu lays out the matter at hand with a quiet magnitude. Did you take Shinso to visit his father in prison? The fact that Nezu clearly knows whether Aizawa did or not means this is a very specific dance they're having to do, writing up the formal record, should anything come to questioning. Aizawa can't deny something there's Aizawa can't deny something there's a heap of easily available evidence to prove that he did, so he simply answers Yes. Nezu's tail swishes from one side to the other behind him on the sofa, and Aizawa's eyes follow it like a cat watches a mouse. When Aizawa's gaze lifts back to the principal's face, his glassy stare remains as cool as ever. So if an inquiry from an outside this institution were made to me regarding the visit, your reason for going would be... As a security detail for Shinso Hitoshi, Aizawa answers without as much as a twitch in his expression, on account of my quirk. Nezu smiles, lifting one of the cups of tea between his paws. Ah, yes. That would certainly follow reason. It's supposed to, of course, but they don't need to discuss the subtext behind this conversation. And as for the purpose behind this reunion? Aizawa borrows a phrase from Shinso himself, the younger. A boy can't visit his father? Nezu's eyes are unflinching, but his tail gives a tiny flick. Smart as he might be, everyone has tells. This means Aizawa's beginning to test his patience. He surely can, but should a media firestorm be sparked from such a story, I'd like to be adequately prepared. There's a steely intensity to Nezu's critter eyes, black and shiny, alert to every movement in his environment. You should be, too. I know. Aizawa doesn't like catering to the media, but he does have to accept it. We just... talk to him. That much is true. Aizawa has a surgeon's precision when it comes to cutting close to the truth. Nezu leans over to reach for his cup, bringing the rim almost to his mouth before murmuring over the surface of the hot tea. A dangerous pastime. Not for me, Aizawa insists, even though that part isn't true. He needed Shinso there against the dock just as much as Shinso needed him. Still needs him. And what, should it inevitably be asked, did the three of you talk about? Finding the most logical path through the mire, like wading waist-deep through a swamp, Aizawa offers up the truth. Part of it, at least. We discussed Hitoshi's future as a hero. 
In the heat of the moment, it's natural to differentiate the two Shinsos this way. But after the fact, it feels... excessive. Even if it's just a name. The one Dr. Shinso uses. And why wouldn't he? Parents call children by their given names. The principal gives a tentative... Aizawa. That helps him snap back to reality from the hazy edges of need-some-sleep thought space. Aizawa reaches to take his cup of tea by the brim, lifting it to cradle in his hands, before he sits back on one of Nezu's generous antique sofas. Yeah? Your prognosis of the boy's future. It's not entirely clear if Nezu already asked and Aizawa was just zoned out, or if it was merely an implication Nezu would like Aizawa to elaborate on anyway. Aizawa hopes for the latter, but fears the former. After all, it's not like he'd notice if he stopped paying attention. Aizawa forces his focus back onto Nezu, pretending he's prepared for what he's about to say and isn't just flying by the well-worn seat of his pants. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. I'm going to need him to be registered for the next provisional license exam. If Shinso does pass, he'll be able to use his cork legally with Aizawa's supervision. And won't that be a happy day? Nezu's long nose is bowed low over his cup of tea when Aizawa finally lifts his own to his mouth. One hot sip soothes instantly, heat spreading through his chest like the ripples cast from a stone in a pond. Nezu brews exceptional tea. Hizashi swears it's the teapot, he, which he claims must be hundreds of years old and imbued with magical brewing properties. Aizawa thinks he's just being fantastical, but it's certainly the more interesting story to believe. When Nezu's face finally rises up to gaze at Aizawa, his smile has a polished simplicity. General studies students don't typically take that exam. He's not a typical student. Aizawa's reply hits like a clean strike from a baseball bat against a ball. Or would you rather he be arrested? Nezu knows that Aizawa wouldn't actually endorse Shinso using his cork illegally much, but accidents still happen. Emergencies can sometimes dictate a route around the most literal interpretation of the law, as Aizawa has only occasionally said with the physical quotation marks gesture. And law enforcement certainly has little reason to look kindly on the son of an infamous cop killer who butchered every officer who came to try and arrest him one after the other. But Nezu isn't ready to give up the fight just yet. Registration of students in the hero course for the exam is automatic. It's not a case of simply adding Shinso to the list. Bullshit, Aizawa thinks. But he's got a more elegant solution to the problem. Then move him to the hero course. Aizawa shrugs and takes a sip of tea. I don't care. That's not true. He definitely does care. Nezu probably knows it too, because it's with a you-don't-fool-me-cool that he remarks. You know as well as I do that the hero course is full. Then I'll expel someone. Aizawa's not really joking. I can name ten kids in my class whose place he deserves more than they do. To hell with it. All twenty of them. If Nezu wasn't sure Aizawa had a level head about this, he must be crystal clear by now. Aizawa's wholly and unashamedly biased. No point denying it. What Nezu makes of Aizawa dealing him this card isn't a hand the principal seems keen to play just yet. His tail just flicks up and resettles with a bolt of giveaway restlessness. I shallant disagree with you, Aizawa, but you might see, from my perspective, young Shinso is receiving an education perfectly suited to his potential as a hero. You mean underground? Aizawa isn't asking, because that would suggest he has any doubt over Nezu's meaning. 
which is as clear as the bottom of Aizawa's teacup through the green hue of his tea. Aizawa wonders if Nezu saw this coming right from the start, from the very moment Aizawa first mentioned Shinso's name. There's enough confidence in Nezu's tone when he says, I would even be so bold as to say that it's your specialty, Eraser. Given to him so long ago, but by Hizashi, so it's good still. The name fits Aizawa through and through. Do all the work, cleaning up mistakes, and never leave a trace. Aizawa usually prefers to be in less of an antagonistic position to the ultimate mastermind, who, like it or not, is still Aizawa's boss, at least during school hours. Underground heroes still get licensed. Aizawa's expression is ironed flat and dry enough to be folded like sheets. Unless you're suggesting we turn vigilante. He would lose his license for letting Shinso run loose and get arrested for illegally using his quirk, which isn't his plan for the boy's development or his own career, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Aizawa can't rule anything out at this point, if the obstacles against Shinso are really this great. Most certainly not. Nezu sets his cup down, gazing at Aizawa with his head slightly askew. His eyes aren't positioned as close to the front of his head as all these humans, so he's almost always giving you a sideways look of some sort. I will look into an arrangement regarding the provisional license exam, but he remains in general studies for now. Fine. That was all Aizawa planned to come out of here with anyway. Pushing for more was a way to make what he wanted seem like a concession, though Nezu would have most certainly known that too. It's only wise to assume that most scenarios with Nezu end exactly the way the cunning critter wants. Aizawa finishes his tea and settles the cup on the tray. Anything else? Yes. Nezu sits up, and his head shifts from being angled from one side to the other, like turning over a record to play the other side. Are you taking care of yourself? Yamada says you've been receiving pictures of corpses in the post. He pauses for a moment before adding, Again. That's work-related, Aizawa points out, assuming Nezu is still keen to remain woefully uninformed about his faculty's lives outside this school. Ah, yes. Work. Nezu might be a mouse or a bear, but whatever, there's a little weasel in him, too. I wonder, Aizawa, if you were to, theoretically, do such a thing, would you be able to teach Shinso in a classroom the same way you could outside of it? Aizawa imagines taking 1A to any of the crime scenes he's hung out at recently and almost shudders. Then he imagines Shinso being in his class and actually shudders. But that's no excuse. I could do both like he can tell exactly how too close Aizawa is to this already, Nezu remarks. Could you? Probably not. Aizawa's not going to bullshit Nezu about that one. After all, what if Shinso does get transferred? Better put him in Vlad's class. Flopping back in his chair, Aizawa doesn't disguise his sigh. He wishes he was asleep right now. Turns out two full nights sleep doesn't equal one skipped one. He knew that, but it's easily forgotten when the game's afoot. My lot this year aren't completely awful, but he's got some real ass wipes. I think you're trying to tell me you'd like to leave, Aizawa. Nezu says with a politely muffled chuckle behind his paw. Very well, then. I'll let you get back to your nap. Aizawa stands, feeling like a scale that's been rebalanced. A little less weight on one side and a little more on the other, but adjusted in the middle to sit level all the same. Good talk. He doesn't really mean that, 
but the next one he does. Bye. Farewell, Aizawa, Nezu replies with the same cheery gloss he paints over all his veiled threats and insinuations. Be sure not to send my regards to Shinso. Of course not, Aizawa returns. After all, that would imply this conversation ever happened. Nezu lets out another one of those sinister-ish chordals as Aizawa walks away, and Shinso worries about him getting in trouble. Trouble's the name of Aizawa's game. The message, the first Aizawa ever receives from Shinso, simply reads, Where do we meet? And arrives minutes after the bell for the end of Saturday classes, earlier, earlier than the rest of the weekdays. Aizawa was expecting... something. Maybe not this, but he hadn't been so bold as to assume he'd lack Shinso's presence at his side for... whatever it is he's going to do this afternoon. And a killer on the loose is certainly an issue requiring a lot of Aizawa's free time, though there is something he could make time for right now. Alleyway behind the convenience store. Come ready for a fight, he sends. With Aizawa being... Aizawa, and Shinso being Shinso... No confrontation between them is going to last that long. Stags ramming their horns together just for the sake of a tussle, shaking it off once it's clear who's bigger. However, young bucks being as they are, Shinso still postures like he's got a fighting chance, sending the reply, If that's supposed to scare me, you're ridiculous. Says the kid Aizawa is about to stomp on. He thinks with particularly savory satisfaction all the way to the convenience store. He buys a jelly fruit pouch, and an energy drink, then asks his friend, the grandpa who sits behind the counter all day while his children run the shop, if he wouldn't mind letting Aizawa out through the back, which, of course, the grandpa nods and waves Aizawa through. This lets Aizawa out deep into the alleyway that Shinso arrives at the entrance of about five minutes later. He's heavily out of breath, which, if he ran all the way from school, means he's still got a ways to go before he can keep up with Aizawa's almost leisurely pace on the regular parkour route to make it over here. Aizawa's got a perfect run down to about 12 minutes, but could hit 10 if he really went for it. Aizawa doesn't move from his position, clinging to his chosen patch of shadow like damp creeping up a wall, waiting. When Shinso can't get any closer before realizing his wrong assumption, that he got here first, Aizawa springs out of the dark with a handful of his capture weapon flying. Shinso actually manages to dodge, if only by dropping to the floor like he's taken a bullet to the head. Face-planting a grimy alleyway isn't pretty, but it does work. Shinso rolls to the side and scrambles back to his feet, launching into Aizawa's close-quarters range before the mist tendrils of the capture weapon even touch the ground. Imitation as a sure sign of flattery, Shinso tries a sharp upward strike, the same style Aizawa would use to knock out much larger men in a single blow. He is about ten years of practice off, but it's the thought that counts. Aizawa dodges Shinso's attack like stepping around a person holding a large umbrella and gets closer still, lifting a forearm to press horizontal across Shinso's throat and walking them across the short width of the alley until his back hits the wall. Just as, as, just as Aizawa expects, a struggle for dominance between them doesn't last long. The tenacity to keep trying, not to go in like the fight is lost. Refusing to give up is more important than being able to win when it comes to being a hero, at least at this stage. Shinso seems like he's got every belief he could come out on top, given the right circumstances. If you let me use my quirk, I'd have you, he declares with absolute confidence. A springtime violet gaze trained on Aizawa over the chokehold of his arm across Shinso's whole neck. So use it, he replies, not joking. 
Definitely not joking a split second later when Shinso activates his quirk a split second after Aizawa does, in a racing stare cutting off the grab Shinso makes for Aizawa's mind. This exercise is going off the rails a little bit, but Aizawa's not fooling. You didn't think I was going to make it that easy for you, did you? Worth a shot. Shinso keeps his cool. Then, with all his strength, shoves Aizawa back and slips free. Aizawa lets him, but only the way a cat lets a mouse go for the sake of catching it again. For a mouse, Shinso moves pretty quick, at least when it comes to skittering away from Aizawa, snatching some distance between them, but only for as long as it takes Aizawa to throw his capture weapon again. So, about five seconds. Admit it, you are never going to let me use my quirk. Shinso's head is a tufty purple sprout growing atop a capture-wrapped body, and he still makes it look like he planned it this way. You are just winding me up. Aizawa blinks, his quirk and hair dropping, but doesn't bite on Shinso's baited hook. Yet the boy's a persistent fisher. You're afraid, just like everyone else. Aizawa's quirk rises back up like fur on the back of an aggravated cat. And you're trying to provoke me. Shinso flashes a crafty grin. Is it working? His arms shift in their tight binding to his body, like he's testing the leeway. Maybe just getting comfortable. Aizawa remains steadfast, laser glare targeting Shinso, like the sight on a sniper rifle. No. Shame. That's kind of my deal, you know? Shinso's restricted movement makes the lift of his eyebrow more exaggerated. You are scared, though. Shinso said it before. He can be very persuasive. It'd be a lie to say Aizawa hasn't thought about it. Wondered, more like. There's a conversation they had just a few days ago, when things were very different to how they are now. I'll trust you if you trust me. Fear and trust are incompatible. One erases the other. So what Shinso's really testing Aizawa for, even if they're not quite at the stage of admitting it, is a vouch of trust. A normal alleyway brawl would also turn out differently when the other party doesn't know what happens if they answer Shinso. In most situations, that advantage will always be in his favor, as long as they respond to Shinso's crafty stream of answer-me provocations. But Aizawa does know, and wouldn't be so foolish as to put himself up unintentionally. Intentionally, though. Aizawa's quirk drops for the rest of his guard. with the rest of his guard. Try me. The hold is immediate, like velvet-gloved hands taking hold of Aizawa's head and then putting it in a vice. Everything is quieter, just the elevated beat of his heart thumping in his chest up to his ears. Shinso is watching him carefully, no smug look of satisfaction on his face. Release me. If he wanted to, Aizawa could struggle against the movement of his body beyond Shinso's iron will. He doesn't, but he could. Not that it would make much difference. His motions are fluid and natural, just as he'd act if he were doing this of his own volition. A quick flick of his wrist and the capture weapon uncoils from around Shinso, dropping in a ring at his feet. Shinso rolls his shoulders and takes a deep breath, gaze fixed on Aizawa and no sign of strain in his countenance. Turn around and face the wall. Aizawa's body is already following orders when Shinso adds, Hands behind your back. The throb of Aizawa's pulse in his neck accelerates from a jog to a run. His face comes close to the wall as he turns toward it, a slight flex in his arms as he crosses his wrists behind his back. It's just poor coincidence, perhaps more indicative of Aizawa's own tendencies than he'd care to dwell on, that the last time he was in a pose like this was a few nights ago with Kayama. <laughs> Very different circumstances. 
but just similar enough to make Aizawa sweat a little, heart rate increasing like he'd rather get this over with sooner rather than later. Not just for the fact that it's uncomfortable. Too comfortable, more like. Aizawa feels the familiar touch of his own capture weapon wrapping around his neatly presented wrists. There's a purpose to this little off-the-rails exercise, beyond no man's land currently under exploration. It's to see how Shinso would handle the particular scenario they're playing, and what he'd do if this were a real confrontation. So far, it's something this purple-tipped spring shoot has clearly given more thought than Aizawa expects. Tying someone up is one thing, but it leaves plenty of chances for escape. To be really sure they aren't getting back up, the lights should be out. That would have been the subject of Aizawa's post-brainwashing lecture, until Shinso says, Now, hold your breath for me. And Aizawa's chest just stops. This is the point where Aizawa tests against Shinso's quirk, pushes himself to keep breathing, and finds he can't. Shinso could do this as a five-year-old, Aizawa knows. He just hadn't expected Shinso to do it now. It isn't for long, just enough for Aizawa's head to start spinning a little, exacerbated by the struggle of trying to fight the absolute control he handed over to his precocious, doesn't-cover-it teenager. There's no yield on Shinso's side, like trying to dig a hole in a concrete floor with your bare hands. But Aizawa wonders if Shinso can feel the push the same way Aizawa does when he's using his cork to erase others. Without any warning, the vice releases and the gloved hands clamping Aizawa's chest disappear. He takes a deep, gasping breath of relief as his head spins to a stop, and tries to bring his hands around before remembering they're bound. Struggling against himself even after Shinso's cork has released its hold over him, his cheek chafing against the wall he face-planted at the boy's command. Before Shinso can come to his aid, Aizawa's taking care of it, slipping his bindings with easy familiarity and putting one hand to the wall, turning far enough to catch Shinso in a side-along glance. Even just to prove a point, what you did is incredibly dangerous. I know, Shinso answers calmly. That's why I didn't let you actually pass out. What if you get it wrong? Aizawa challenges. What if someone dies, he means. I won't. There's an intimidating stillness to Shinso right now, standing tall, unmoving with calculating eyes on the subject of his experiment. For as different as they are where it counts, there's a striking resemblance between the boy and his father. I know exactly how long it takes. Aizawa knows why he knows, the fabled research Dr. Shinso engaged his son in. That was a long time ago. Weirdly enough, it's not something you easily forget. Shinso replies lightly, like it'll brighten the darkness of why he knows what he does. Everyone has different thresholds. Aizawa starts to lecture as they return to normality, turning the rest of the way around and leaning back against the wall. You need to add another few minutes before I drop. Bullshit, Shinso retorts. You'd have been down in another 30 seconds. Wrong, but if you say so, Aizawa bats back, crossing his arms over his chest. You should avoid restraining people with their own equipment, too. Gee, Teach, never thought of that one. Shinso rolls his eyes. Don't we have something more important to do, like catching a serial killer? Right. Aizawa picks himself up off the wall and starts to reel the erratically strewn spools of his capture weapon back in. Sakachi contacted me about this so-called Hakazaki psycho who worked in the same department as the first victim. They've got her address, and he's going around with a warrant in a couple of hours. 
The exchange of messages with Sakachi started up while Aizawa was waiting for Shinso in the alley, so when he checks his phone again, the address has finally come through. Sounds like we better get going, Shinso announces without resentment, almost like he's getting used to the way Aizawa works and doesn't need any further explanation. A couple of hours free run across the city also doubles up as some all-important one-on-one training for Shinso. Aizawa might even teach him how to throw a punch right if they have the time. Aizawa admittedly doesn't know much about it, but as far as interns go, he likes this one. They get to the apartment block before the detective does, which means Aizawa's let Shinso punch him in the jaw enough times for it to almost hurt by the time Sakachi actually shows up at the address he sent to Aizawa. Emerging from an entrance to an underground car park shortly after his only vaguely inconspicuous car rolls into it, Sakachi's wrapped in his iconically overkill trench coat and hat. He strides up the ramp and over to Aizawa and Shinso, with the unnecessary flaps of the coat beating in the wind, which tears between the channels created by the densely packed high-rise apartment blocks. Only after Sakachi has completed his high-drama wind tunnel walk, a grimace against the breeze that makes him look like something off a pulp novel cover, come to a full stop in front of them does he break into a characteristic grin. Ah, Detective Pot and a Little Spoon, right on time. You've definitely become too invested in that scenario, Aizawa replies with a tone like an EKG flatline. He and Shinso are leaning on a railing out front of the building, matching hands tucked in pockets poses and their backs to the howling wind, probably cutting quite the picture. It's totally unintentional, so making any effort to act differently feels like an acknowledgement that Aizawa isn't prepared to make about what this looks like, at least not right now. Sakachi is, as ever, nonplussed. You'd rather I refer to you as a racer and Jack? Aizawa shrugs. I don't really give a shit either way. It's just your grasp on reality I'm worried about. As he says it, Aizawa's thinking that it's the kind of dig Shinso would make if he were looking to get a rise out of Sakachi. Maybe if he knew the detective for as long as Aizawa has. However, Shinso's in the early days of his acquaintance with Sakachi and sticks on messages rookies often do. Someone's got to be on the straight and narrow anyway. Let's go already. I want to see what this chick is about. According to the neighbor, she hasn't been seen for a while. Sakachi cracks open case details like a tin of biscuits as he begins a leisurely stroll towards the building entrance. I don't imagine she wants to be seen, Shinso remarks, right on the dark edge of comedy as he and Aizawa fall into step behind Sakachi. Or she's abandoned this place already. Aizawa adds even more morosely as they get to the door, waiting to be let into the building. They're met and escorted in by a shifty-looking maintenance man who seems very determined not to speak to any of them. An impish creature who leads their curious party through the soulless building and straight up to a door exactly like every other door in the long corridor. Without even checking the warrant that Sakachi has to hand over, the handyman unlocks the apartment and pushes the door wide open, already turning around and stomping back off down the corridor before they're even set foot in the apartment. Maybe he knows it's better not to have anything to do with the lady who lives in here. They're left looking on a relatively normal, at least so far, apartment hallway that shows few signs of being inhabited. Don't touch anything. Aizawa slips to Shinso as he practically shimmies past Aizawa to overtake him and be the first in. An invasion of personal space that Aizawa doesn't think is entirely necessary, but he lets the kid have some excitement as he bounds enthusiastically into a new formative experience. Shinso gets a couple steps ahead down the hallway and stops, turning back to address Aizawa with a monstrously dry tone. You mean, like it's a crime scene? 
but I was about to start spitting everywhere. Azawa gives a tired huff and doesn't respond. His attention is on the environment, not Shinzo's current channel of keep-talking-to-me sass. A habit of his, a habit of his, Aizawa is starting to figure out. No wonder all he wants to do is feel recognized, after being misunderstood and overlooked for so long. The apartment is messy, but in a way that points to being uninhabited rather than the cleaning habits of its occupant. And even dust covers most of the surfaces, ones that would be clear if they were in use. The lone pot plants are dead, and there probably isn't a scrap of edible food in the entire kitchen. The last part is a guess, but it reminds Aizawa of his own place, from the age of about 20 until... until he moved in with Hizashi. This place looks like it's been empty for a while, Scotchy observes from a squat right at the threshold of the door, rifling carefully through a sizable pile of unattended mail. Starting at the start, a true sign of a thorough detective. Not that Aizawa will have to grace the grace to mention it. Scotchy doesn't need any telling he's doing a good job, which suits Aizawa down to the ground. Didn't want to talk to him anyway. Aizawa follows Shinso to the middle of the room, standing in the center to get a feel for the space, while the kid goes straight to a solitary window on the outside wall. Shinso's determined gaze sweeps their surroundings and then finds what he's clearly already looking for. Someone came in through here. Aizawa moves across to check, but stops dead when Shinso's palm lifts flat to face him. It's a universal gesture, but for how suddenly Aizawa obeys the command, it could have been a lingering effect of the kid's quirk. That's not it, of course, but Aizawa's thoughts wander that way as Shinso beckons his approach from a different angle. The blurry overlap between persuasion and the total control of a brainwashing quirk. Dr. Shinso's book, The 90% Mind, takes a walk right through that particular strip of no man's land. Aizawa has learned from flicking through the chilling manifesto, usually in the bathroom, the only context befitting such a read, that the choice of title reflects the doctor's belief that most people have mentalist abilities, they're simply unable to access them. In his theories, those born with mentalist quirks merely have a stronger connection to the 90% mind, an oft-quoted but utterly false notion about humans using only 10% of their brains. According to the doc's, frankly, lunatic body of work, studying children of developmental age with mentalist quirks contains the key to unlocking the secrets of the hidden 90% for everyone. He then postulates that if society had the ability to cultivate the power of mentalist quirks at will, those born with a naturally heightened dispensation for them wouldn't be so stigmatized. They'd merely be geniuses at something everyone can achieve if they work toward it. At least, that was the mad professor's theory. The newspaper's take on it is that the doc's exploration of how far persuasion could be taken before it became mind control reached its apex in its final experiment. The one where he persuaded his most devout admirers that they all wanted to die, little by little, and then all at once. When Aizawa gets closer, slowly approaching the window from the new direction Shinso indicates with a wave of his palm, he sees the signs of entry. There's a footprint marked in the dust on the sill, just visible when the light catches it right. The shape indicates the direction the person was coming from. This kid could make a detective yet. Good find, Aizawa says quietly, not really meaning to, but it slips out all the same. Even in Sakachi's presence, who comes over a moment later to get a look for himself. She's meant to be good at hiding, right? Shinso mutters to Aizawa. But it's Sakachi who fixes on this question as he finally clears the doorway and steps into the room. Directing a cursory look around the room before settling an intrigued one on Shinso, Sakachi asks, What makes you say that? Ah. The minor black hole in the case details Aizawa handed over to the detective. 
the part where he and Shinso paid a visit to his famous mass murderer father to fish for information on their suspect. Intuition lies Shinso, Jack, as Sakashi knows him, or maybe something to do with spoons. She's making this place look more abandoned than it is, hiding in plain sight or thereabouts. Aizawa follows the notion all the way through, looking out through the window at the narrow, a little dicey but not impossible, ledge that leads to the external fire escape. I noticed a fire escape on the back of the building before you got here. Aizawa turns to address Sakachi face to face. It wouldn't be too hard for a person to get into this apartment from it. Saves using the front door and letting anyone know this place is still being used. As long as you knew the window was unlocked, Sakachi points out, looking through the window. It's not locked now, is it? Shinso's head quirks in a curiously personable manner, his gaze darting to the window fastening. True to form, the fitting has been taken off the window entirely, unscrewed and set aside on a nearby shelf. Aizawa caught most of this at first glance, but it's more rewarding to let things play out this way, seeing what the people around him can figure out on their own. Smart boy you got there, Eraser. Sakachi remarks cheerfully as he takes a notebook out of his pocket, scribbling a couple notes in it before he turns his gaze back around the room. Shinso catches Aizawa's eye and rolls his own, but that's his only reaction to Sakachi's charmless optimism. Such determined do-goodery is an instant explanation for why Toshi likes the detective, which naturally means Aizawa wants to treat him with a generous pinch of salt. They break back into different directions again. Aizawa heads to the kitchen, confirming his theory about there being nothing sanitary to eat. Always a good indicator of how long a place has been abandoned, how rancid the fridge is. The fridge here isn't actually that bad, but when Aizawa checks the freezer, he finds an unsavory treat that he'll wait until Sakachi is back in the room to trade notes on. No sense in alarming anyone just yet. Shinso stays near the window initially, and looks around as if he's trying to map a path the person would take through the room, creeping in and out of the trappings of civilization between the bloody jags of a murder spree. Watching Shinso find and open the bathroom door, Aizawa has an unwelcome flashback of the tub in the home of the first victim. Good thing Shinso wasn't around for that one. Not that he hasn't seen as bad or worse already. This bathroom is thankfully far less distressing. In fact, not distressing at all, just a normal bathroom. As I was almost at the point of thinking they might not find anything troubling in this place, aside from the missing hand in the freezer, obviously. But he'll get back to that later. Because from deeper into the apartment, Sakachi's voice echoes loud and clear. Can you both come in here? There's absolutely no good reason, or there's absolutely no good will in his tone at all, so whatever he's found in the final room is nothing to take lightly. Shinso steps out from the bathroom and glances at Aizawa first, waiting until he shuts the freezer and leaves the kitchen, passing Shinso to go first towards the open doorway. The bedroom has thick blinds and tape over the windows to ensure no daylight from the outside enters the stuffy, confining space. There's a neon light strip that has been pulled down from the ceiling in a piece of manic electrical engineering, and it lies instead on the floor, casting its glare up the wall instead of down. A futon in the corner looks at least vaguely used, just like Aizawa's old place, but the similarity ends when it comes to the bedroom wall, because Aizawa certainly never had a larger-than-life-size poster of Dr. Shinso Masaru pinned to his wall, that's for sure. Aside from the absolutely massive square-on headshot of the infamous doctor, the same portrait that stared at Aizawa on the toilet until he finally took the tacky hardcover sleeve off the damn book. There's pages after pages stuck to the wall with tacks. There's a multitude of scribblings on the wall at the world's creepiest idol shrine, 
in pen that's simply been gone over in enough times to make chaotic, angry lines. In a central strip of space between the pages, a series of numbers can be carved out, violently scribbled over and then rewritten again so it reads, 50% mind. Izawa is staring at the numbers, but Sakachi's gaze is entirely on the poster. The face. Dr. Shinso Masaru's features are striking in a way that barely even convey on paper the terror they embody in the flesh. Even from behind a pane of glass. The charismatic, calculated cut of his expression, staring straight down the camera in this shot like he intends to bend the viewer's mind to his will just for a picture alone. Shinso, Hitoshi that is, watches Detective Sakachi. There are some things they didn't count on being solved by this little visit to the suspect's home. The resemblance between Shinso Itoshi and his father are inescapable. Anyone could tell they're related, least of all an admittedly competent police detective. A police detective who now takes his gaze from the photographic Shinso on the wall to the mini-mirror of him in the room. Hitoshi's face isn't quite the same as his father's. Angle's a little softer in places where the might-be baby-fat roundness that tells of youth not quite left behind. Jack, was it? Sakachi has an unreadable quality to his tone that makes Aizawa's sense of urgency itch. Like something could go very bad, very fast, if he doesn't act soon. But the kid beats him to it. My real name is Shinso Hitoshi. He says in a calm, you're not going to panic if I don't let you way. And Aizawa has a sudden thought about what he'd do if Shinso used his quirk on a police detective. He's probably not that dumb but Aizawa can never be too sure. Not when he's announcing as plain as day, but in a completely unnecessarily ominous way. And yeah, that is my father.